Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of Outlaw Radio. Nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area. Following program, True Crime Uncensored. Produced with an artistic vengeance by Magic Matt Allen. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Oh, and I love me. The man over there is Howard Lapidus. And Matt Hang on a second. Sorry, and you love me? I love me. Wow. Yeah. Well, then, if I didn't, I wouldn't spend so much time with myself. Mark C.G. Boyer is our fact checker. He knows more about our guests than she knows about herself. <laughs> What's her shoe size? <laughs> hey, Judith, did, did Mark get your shoe size right? I hope so. But if the music so loud, we'll never know. Otherwise, this will be two weeks in a row with no guests. Oh, no, we have a guest. I know we do. Yeah. She's cute, too. She's hot stuff. She's one of our crime hotties. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's our crime hottie right there. Yeah, there she is. Did, did Mark C.G. Boyer, Boyer get your shoe size right? What did you say your shoe size was, Mark? Seven and an eighth. Seven and an eighth. What's your shoe size? Seven and an eighth? And a half. And a half. You were close, that's Mark. Pre- that's pretty damn close. Yeah. But that's not the reason we're having you on the show. No. <laughs> it's not. No, welcome to Shoe Size Uncensored. <laughs> Man, I thought I won something cool. <laughs> no. Send, Mark, send her a pair of shoes. Yeah, send her. Well, okay. you can, you'll get that the same day Aaron Moriarty gets her toaster. That's coming. <laughs> I talked to her just uh, yesterday, Aaron Moriarty. How's she doing? She didn't even mention the toaster. I, I she thinks she's given up. <laughs> young Judith Yates. Uh, young Judith Yates from Planet of the Yates. And, uh, hey, hey boom Your career has taken off like a North Korean rocket. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Oh, I hope so. Oh, burl, burl, burl. What, what? Isn't? No. no oh, they don't, oh, they don't oh, work. Oh, see, I, see, I take it all fall, back. They fall into the sea. Oh, then I take it back. <laughs> you take it yeah. back. Her career is going quite well. Well, thank you. Yes, and you have a brand new book. I do. Entitled? It's sitting right here. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you have it. <laughs> I have the synopsis <laughs> right. of the codification. There's two I've sold. Yes, two. <laughs> me and the publishing company. <laughs> That's right. That's all you need to be our, able our to say goal, our goal you're is, published. By the way, Judith, Judith, this is Howard, and and I just want you to know our goal is to at least sell one more book for you between now and the end of the show. <laughs> and that person will be Howard. I'll <laughs> buy, I always buy the book. I always do. Yes, you can always count on at least better. one sale. I better. <laughs> I wanna. You better. I wanna. I don't want it for free. No, right. I don't. No. Want, I don't want it for free. I'm going to buy it. Oh yes, he does. I always well, tell people when they ask me to do things, I say felonies aren't free. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, it's called uh, "She Is Evil: Madness and Murder in Memphis." Hmm. And it's called She is Evil because that's the last thing uh, one of the victim's loved ones heard him say. Um, Leah Ward met a man named Ijaz Ahmad in about 2002. When she was on parole, she had a volatile temper. She had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, mental issues. And Ijaz felt sorry for her, and part of his religion, which is Muslim, said to help your fellow man. So he gave her a place to stay, unbeknownst that she was already staying at a halfway house, but she wasn't so up for that. Going to quickly stop you right there. How did okay. this, this is what fascinated me? How did they meet, and, and how did he become enamored so quickly? He had a quote-unquote mechanic, and nobody understood why he allowed this mechanic to work on his cars because the guy had no idea what he was doing. But he just said he needed the money and he needs help, and I, you know, he was helping him again. He believed in helping his fellow man, and this mechanic introduces Leah to Ajaz. Some people were telling me that they suspected the mechanic to be her pimp or her partner in arms when it came to scoring drugs, using drugs. Um, he went by, I don't know how many different names, and for that reason I was never able to, to lock him down. But uh, the mechanic just casually introduced him. And he took one look at her and said, I want this mentally ill, drug-addled human being. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean it, but well, she, see, Leah, Leah is very good at concealing who she actually is. Uh, and she sees Ejaz as a handsome man. He's got a very nice house. 
he's got money. Uh, and right away she poured, you know, she played the poor little me card. Ijaz, uh, being a kind person, fell for it and said, well, I have one of my rental properties empty, moves her in, and then sometimes later moves her out of there because he says, it's a bad part of town and I worry about you. But he cannot live with a woman who is not his wife or a relative, so he moves her into his house and he moves in with a friend. Wow, well, this, this guy and, is really self-sacrificing. So then what happened? Yes. How did they get together? Through, oh, okay. Um, you know, now, I mean, not, now he's uh, living outside and, the house. He gave her his house. They can't live right, together unless, unless, unless they're married. He moved to a friend's house, and then they got to talking, and he said, perhaps we can learn to love one another because each of Many things, you know, he, he was many things. He was an entrepreneur. He knew several different languages. He was very intelligent, but he wanted a family again. He had divorced his first wife, and he wanted a family, and he said, perhaps we can learn to love one another. Did he, and in, he had, in the divorce? He had her meal ticket. In the divorce, did he get a child? I'm sorry? Did he get a child from the divorce? Yes, yes. He and his first wife had a little boy. And he wanted to settle down and have a family and live the complete American dream like his mother wished that he uh, wished him to, to do. And, um, you know, Leah sees a meal ticket. She was <laughs> her through school. He's taking care of her. And uh, meanwhile, she's being very abusive. Uh, and That's no he, way to treat a meal ticket. You don't kill the I'm golden saying, goose. I That's just, what I told Burl. Yeah. So, 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 Judith, abusive in 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 what way? What tell us about the abuse? She was physically abusive. She was mentally abusive. Um, she was stealing his things and either hawking them or, or reselling them. And he finds out she screwed up on parole. She had a dirty urine, and that's the first time he even heard she'd even been in trouble, much less a prison parolee. So this is about the time he says, okay, no more. And he gave her a lot of money. He took her to one of the nicer hotels in Memphis and dumped her off and says, goodbye, see you. She ends up burglarizing his house. One thing leads to another, and she murders him. Wow. Well, this is not, this is where it's a movie. We don't walk out whistling the theme. No. No, No, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's, it's damn interesting that this guy who seemingly... Uh, has a brain um, finds his way with her and as much as she can disguise it seriously Judith as much as she may have been able to, you can't disguise everything you can't disguise if you're a drug addict you, you can't you can't after a while if somebody's just that close they figure it out and I'll tell you after the dirty urine test I mean come on his call, there's a name for it, Howard. I'm exactly. sorry to interrupt you there, Judith, no, but this do. happens to be something I'm very familiar with. <laughs> it's called naivete paradox. Okay. Definitely. That is Definitely. The, that's he, the he clinical was. term for it. You appear to be naive, but you're smart. You know what's going on. You know dumbbell. Right. But what you're exactly. really attempting to do is some people try to control others by being forceful and mean and nasty. Others try to control others by being very, 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 very nice. Their motive in being nice isn't simply because they're nice. It's an, actually an attempt to manipulate or control the behavior of others. If I'm nice enough, this person will decide to be nice. Uh-huh. So know? that's what I've been doing. Yes. Okay, now I, now I understand myself. That's exactly what I've been doing for years and years and years until I had it explained to me. There you go. There's no difference between controlling out. by kindness or controlling by meanness. It's still attempts to control. When she when she flunked the urine test, what all happened? Did she have to go back in, and that's when he found out everything? Or is, 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 is right, that... they they told her that of course she was gonna. She was on a four month, you know, probation. Her probation into her probation was coming up very soon, and she flunked it out. She was told to report. About this time, Ejaz was kicking her out of the house, and I believe she was just kind of seeing the end of the road going. There goes my meal ticket. There goes my education. There goes my money. There goes my a nice house. There goes things to steal and hawk. And uh, she uh, stole a bag of 
his important papers is what he called them. Some people believe that it was full of money. Others believe it was his legal certificates because he was from Pakistan. And he became enraged. I want those papers back. And she knew that that was the ultimate button to push. And she just kept telling him, I don't know where they are. And according to Leah, he busts down the door and beats the hell out of her. Then according to Leah, you know, she's told two or three different stories. So... So let's pretend she's up, let's pretend twice. she's lying. Why on oh, earth? Yeah. Why, of course. Why, but why on earth would she kill him? I mean, what would what brought her to that? And then what what was her end game at that point? Because now, honestly, now what, the, the money's what dead. brings anybody? I think she was an addict. I think she fought from one second to the next. Uh, I don't think she puts any thought. The prosecutor told me exactly. She says, "I don't think Leah thinks from one minute to the next." She puts no thought in what she does. She just kind of barrels through life. Yeah, that's was, not uncommon. Was there any abuse prior to this? By Ijaz, the husband? No. Ijaz was not an abusive man. No. Yeah, yeah. I, she, I've talked when, to so many of his friends. I've talked to hundreds of his friends, family members, and not one of them ever said they saw it in him. This includes the first wife who grew up in a, in a, you know, a home where the husband abused the, the mom. Uh, the mom tells me, no, no red flags, nothing. She grew up as a battered woman. So, no, you know, there was nothing in Ejaz's history or present that even hinted or said that he was an abusive man. So she was completely full of crap, correct? I mean, uh, yeah, up to the ears. Right, yeah. Well, that thing of... of uh, I don't know what her background is, but uh, it's very possible that she could have, uh, depending on the family, fetal alcohol syndrome, if her mother was a heavy drinker. And one of the <coughs> excuse me, uh, effects of fetal alcohol syndrome is an inability, no matter how, even if you wanted to, an inability to connect uh, actions and responses. Because if I do X, this will happen. There'll be this, right. this out- outcome. Unable right. to perceive that, just as if you were colorblind, your relationship cause and effect blind. And therefore, people actually are physically or physiologically impossible to connect. If I do X, Y, y will happen. Exactly, yes. And that's, I, I don't know, you know, as, as far as uh, substance abuse in her father or mother, I do know there was uh, mental illness in the family, but that isn't really, I mean, there's mental illness in every family. Sometimes so, it's fun. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, you know, My family's a blast. <laughs> Sometimes the host of talk shows. <laughs> yes, that's true, too. I know. That is so strange. <laughs> yes. I and just it seems really, like I, Dr. Phil would come clean. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, Dr. I, Dr. Phil. Dr. Don't, Phil, what a Don't start me don't start with us. Dr. Phil, please. Don't. Don't. No, we could really get into that. Well, I mean, I could explain exactly what he is. You know, uh, a podiatrist, isn't he? I no. <laughs> he has no. no. He has no degree. Well, he has a degree. Okay. No, seriously, now we're going to get into this. He has a degree from South Texas State in psychology, oh. and he became a licensed psychologist. All right. And he let that license lap lapse long, long time ago. So he's unlicensed. He's it barely can carry the term doctor because, you know, I could go to North Texas State in about 20 minutes and get a doctorate. But it's it's about, it's about, you know. Marketing. It's about marketing and it's about being it's about loud. Oprah. And Oprah. That's right. You, you betcha, man. That's why I'm Dr. Burl. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, we're, that we're, we're, not, we're not here to talk about Dr. Phil because I could go for another hour and I'm not going to do that to you, Judith. We want to sell, as I told you, at least one of your books. <laughs> to him. Yeah, to me. Now, but, the, but the story is, is damn fascinating. I mean, she she kills him and does not under... She's one of those people that does not have an endgame. She 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 doesn't know what's next. So she kills him. No, I, I honestly believe, and, you know, she drags the body into the very small bathroom in the house and lets it sit for weeks. Decapitates him, uh, removes his scrotal area, and then drags him around and hides him in the shed. And I do believe that she thought, well, nobody will see it. And when I get out after, you know, my parole is, is served, when I get out, I'll come back and I'll take care of it. I honestly believe that was why. Why on earth did you find did you find this out? Why did she decapitate him? 
I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Oh, why did she chop his head off? Okay. <laughs> I think she I think she did it. She told the police that she saw bugs and worms on his head and so she cut the head off to get rid of it. I don't believe it. I think she did it partially because she was trying to dissect the body to throw the parts out and it's not as easy as it is it on television. No, it's easy I, on TV. She, yeah. Oh yeah. She tried to she tried to uh hack off a limb, a leg, and couldn't cut through the thigh bone. So I think she kind of, you know, threw that idea out the window. And I also wonder if it's not because when a Muslim is buried, they must be buried whole. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to just be rude. And so just I like believe that, she, she probably knew that. She just she and was, was just kind of rude. A thumb your nose at him. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I, that's that's all that was was an, uh, thumbing the nose. Uh, really, that's why she undoubtedly probably why she did. It. Um, and then she thought she'd come back after going back to the Huskow for four months and, and then take care of it. Take care of it in what way? Bury him, maybe? I don't I don't know. Again, you know, I, I honestly think she thinks from one minute to the next, and it was kind of a lie okay, in the shed out of my way. What's next? How'd, she, how'd they catch her? She... This is the, the really somber part of this. The uh, family had been looking for him, of course, and finally his ex-mother-in-law, who he was very close to, and his son went to the house looking and went around the backyard, and um, the son went into the shed and said, ooh, it smells back here, and they lifted up a foam crate mattress and there was the body. How old, how old was the son at the time? He was very young. Um, nine, eight, seven, you know, oh, in that. he's traumatized for life? You know what's interesting? He is such a good person. He is a fine person, and he's so much like Ijaz. He's in school for computers. Um, he's very polite. He's kind. He's settled. So I'm, I'm sure... That of course they're still tucked away in the back of his mind. The whole event, yeah. he has made good of the bad, for want of. And a he, he's in the Memphis area now. Yes. What a trauma. Exactly. So exactly. the, the they family, when, when they when they find the body, then of course realize that you know he hasn't you know lost his mind, gone missing, or kidnapped. He's obviously been murdered. And then exactly. And so then, the, uh, how did the trail lead to her? She calls nine one one. The police arrive, and of course, you know when it's murder investigation, who's the first person you're going to turn to? The person you he lived with. Leah is on, you know, sitting in the federal holding facility, about to go to prison. Everything he has is missing, including all the cars that he he purchased cars. Um, traded, sold, and that was one of his businesses. Well, they've all been sold. Everything's been sold. And the neighbors are saying, well, that lady and, and a few people have been in and out of that house with a moving van, moving stuff for several days. Mm. And a few other yeah, people, so. like, like, who are the other people? The mechanic. <laughs> well, yeah, what happened they to never, him? They never looked. They never, you know, I mean, it was a, a done deal. They interviewed her. She confessed right away. Wrote up the confession and boom, there we go. Is the mechanic because the, really? Is, is the mechanics, what are those people guilty of helping it. Leah move? Did they ever get any of the no. other people who helped uh, helped her move the stuff out and sell it? No, that's what I'm saying. Is you know they weren't really part of the investigation except uh, you know oh well I'm helping her move. Now there were two people, friends of each other's, that dropped her off at her house, and she said, "Will you help me move some boxes?" And they came inside the house and they were like. What smells? And mm. she said, "Oh, the refrigerator refrigerator went out, and some meat that I had stored went bad." Yeah, there's a head and that's in why there. It stinks. Yeah, yeah. What did she do with the head? She said she doesn't remember. So it's gone. Yeah, probably left it on the wash basin. No, in all seriousness, it's gone. It, 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 they found the body. They never it, found it. Wow. They looked, but uh, they never found it. And she said she just didn't remember. She she put it in a trash bag, and it's in the city dump. I don't know. That's what Mark's our fact checker. He went and looked. Yes, well, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. 
I think what she probably did was she was going to be smart and, and, you know, take the body apart is put them in bags and then just drove around and threw things in dumpsters. Mm-hmm. That would be my thought with her. Yeah, that's what I do. How did you, how did you get interested in this one? <laughs> okay, if I say this, Burl is going to make a comment. But I was looking at inmate uh, pen pal ads. Mm-hmm. I'm that, waiting for it. That's how desperate you are. <laughs> oh, there, oh, that, <laughs> there we have it. See, there we you, have it. See, you knew and that was... I was th- actually, I was doing it for an article that I was writing. <laughs> yes, of course you were. <laughs> see? I should have just made something. She knows uh, me I'm too so well. I'm honest with you. <laughs> you draw honesty out of me like, like water from a... The fountain of youth. Yeah. Wait, what you don't know is I can control this guy, so don't worry about it. Yeah, he's got a taser oh, unit good. on me. Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory that anybody that smiles and tries to look cute for a mugshot <laughs> has done something really weird. That's so, right. So you're talking about Burl. That's right. <laughs> I haven't even looked at his mugshot. Oh, we all have. <laughs> yeah. A dumb bug. Yeah. I got it from uh, Cafe Press. I had one by the mirror. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take sixty seconds, Judith, to go look for the head in case she popped into our backyard here. Uh, we'll be right I'll back. Be we'll be back in a minute on True Crime Uncensored with Judith A. Yates, crime writer extraordinaire. opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Back to True Crime Uncensored. Heard of it? 
Hi, I'm Burl Bear. I don't get my crazy circus music this time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Where's the circus? Where's my crazy circus music? Yeah. They, they call me Uncle Crazy. Burl Oh, here we go. Hi, I'm Burl Bear. Hear that crazy circus music? That's their way of insulting me here on Outlaw Radio. They call me Uncle Crazy in my spare time when I'm not admiring myself in the mirror or combing what's left of my hair. I write true crime books. So when you buy our guest book, make sure you buy all of mine simultaneously. Uh, my latest is uh, Betrayal in Blue, about the corrupt cops of the NYPD in the 7-5. If you saw the documentary, uh, this one looks even better. <laughs> you can hold it up to the light and watch it. Also, if you're really interested in domestic violence and women killing their husbands and boyfriends, you can pick up my book, Fatal Beauty, about Rhonda Glover, who shot her boyfriend 13 times with a Glock 9mm because she believed he and George W. Bush were having homosexual sex with clones in the cave under her house. Aside from that, she was fine. <laughs> I got some interesting statistics for you. On... You've lost your mind. You know that. Right? That is a true story, though. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I did see the documentary. You did. I did. In, Back uh, to in that... true crime, <laughs> uncensored. Thank you. They didn't mention that in the documentary. <laughs> With Burl Bear and, and Howard, Howard Lapidus. Thank you, I was kind of hoping that they would mention you. And not a mention, not a nary. They just talked about those two guys, and that was it. Featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. They talked Mayor about him, too, huh? Jeez, amazing. No, they didn't talk about him. It's quite a great story, and, uh, and your book is sensational. It is marvelous. I would buy several copies, except I don't read much. Uh, Judith Yates is our guest today uh, from Planet of the Yates. Uh, Judith is a, a very famous person, and she writes true crime books, and uh, I read them. Hey, and, Ju uh, Judith? Do, do you want me That's to why I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> Judith, do you want me to stop Burl with this Planet of the Yates thing? <laughs> I like that. It just No, of... because I do a really good chimpanzee impression. That's <laughs> oh, one of my talents. Yeah. So I thought it was fitting. That's how she got a scholarship. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> hear it. <laughs> let's hear the impression. Oh, don't put her on the spot. Let's hear it. No, no I want to hear it. I'm, I'm, Who doesn't want to hear it? Everybody wants to hear this uh, chimp thing. Let's go. I don't see anybody raising their hand. Uh, well, I think maybe she was overextending her talents. Do you think? Here yeah. we go. Yep. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Judith uh, A. Yates. Uh, but you better... not to touch my monkey. Yes, thank you. <laughs> But the woman who wrote The uh, Silent Scream, remember that book? That's the one that first brought uh, domestic violence to the uh, kind of the forefront of, of consciousness. Uh, later went on to try to champion for uh, safe places and shelters for abused men. But she got a lot of flack and a lot of resistance. And uh, she did put out research statistics on, as best as available, on how frequent abuse is by the woman of the husband or the significant other. Let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. Is there an address? Because I want to go there. You want to go there? I'll, yeah. get, I'll get it. For, a lot of the information is actually in Fatal Beauty. But what's okay, interesting good. is that, and you maybe know the, the numbers, like every 18 seconds a woman is uh, punched in the face or abused somehow. Correct. Uh, and for men, it was the difference was 16 seconds instead of 18. And the shift is now that men are, be, are being restrained a little bit more because of all the you know attention put on this which is unfortunately freeing up a lot of these crazy-ass women to beat the crap out of their boyfriends. <laughs> Why is it crazy-ass? To beat up your boyfriend? No, actually, I, I find that hard to believe. Uh, let me let me rephrase. I argue that that thought. Uh, You're a tan and Female-on-male abuse. No, you know, now I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm Men don't say it. Men are too ashamed. Or too embarrassed. I'm going to come out on this show, all right, and talk about abuse. Go ahead, because it it can happen. Oh, it does. It it can happen. I mean, it, 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 in not in my current situation, but before this, uh, it was extraordinarily abusive. It wasn't physically abusive, but emotionally, mentally, mentally. But emotionally and mentally. You talk about your ex-wife. One the, of his the, many. The first one, yeah. yeah. The 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 uh, what psychic. Did she do? The psychic, yeah. She psychically knew when she met you that you oh, were a good target. Oh, she psychically knew how to make me crazy. She never yeah. smacked you? 
Um, that's a yes. That's yeah, a yes. yes. Yeah, that's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I would not ever in a million years hit back. Because you're the one that's going to go get crapped on for it. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, this was the well, 80s. Also, it's like uh, Jimmy Jost who uh, wanted to be murdered by, by Rhonda Glover. But in the uh, 80s, uh, nobody cared. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't have a black eye, he'd have this, he'd have that, and he'd always come up with some excuse, some reason he wouldn't say Rhonda beat the crap out of me again, and he, of course, wouldn't raise a finger against her. Uh, but guys are too ashamed to, uh, you know, to, to come forward on that because they figure, gee, I'm not very manly if I let this woman do this to me. So, so Judith, you found this case. You said, I'm going to take a number of years of my life and document it. And you did. And, I did. Right. And where is everything today? Is she, is she well, dead or she's in jail or where the hell is she? She is. She is serving time in the Tennessee Prison for Women. Um, assuming her record is all clean, she could be released in 2059. She'll be 83 years old. But from the minute she got locked up, she didn't really follow the rules. Oh. She didn't follow the rules on, on the street, so it's, you know, uh, getting into fights being caught with a weapon, um, support on the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, assault on the staff. Um, they have decapitation on the list. Rules, so. She's going to be there for the rest of her life, basically. Oh, yeah. So. Now, see, she doesn't think so because she keeps writing appeals. She's uh, what we used to call a paper hanger. Yeah. Um, writing appeals and suing the prison system and everything else. Gives her something to do. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because it could be awful boring, apparently, being in prison for the rest of your life unless you find something to occupy your time, did such you, as uh, stabbing did, other inmates. Did you ever talk to her? But she's also got her, her meet-an-inmate ads out there, so I'm sure she's got plenty of letters to read. Wow. Oh, yeah, pen pals. And, oh, yeah. And, and you, did you communicate with her? I did. Uh, we wrote back and forth several times, and she began making, uh, before she spoke to me, she started making all these demands. My attorney has to be present. Okay, no problem. I want to talk to you first before interview. Okay, no problem. I don't write anything that you tell me until you've signed the agreement. Right. And she would say, okay, well, we only can do that. You know, I'll only talk to you if. And I started seeing her game, and I sent her a, um, a form to sign an MOU, and she returned it to me all shredded up and said she just did not approve of this book. Okay. Yeah, but she can't say... She that can't, doesn't she, make any difference. Yeah, she can't say anything about you writing the book. You write the book all day. Well, I think... I, I'm wondering if part of the reason is, you know, one, if if I see that she's playing games with me, I'll shut it down and, you know, she has no say-so in anything. And two, she doesn't receive anything for this, nothing monetary. or right. Because she told me that she wanted stamps. She needed stamps and paper and pens because they just didn't get them in prison. So I sent her two dollars for stamps. Oh, that was big of you. <laughs> I don't She's pay, in there for, I don't big pay of me. for interviews, and I'm not paying no. for her, you know, no, uh, right. uh, no, couple noodles no. I'm, I'm and sneakers, and you know, I'm anything. Ki- else, I'm so. kidding around. It it, uh, <laughs> it could have only been difficult. So did you did you really garner anything from her, or is most of it from the hundreds of people you talked to? Um. Personality. I, I got a peek into her personality and, and kind of her mindset. And again, anything that, that we wrote one another is not used in the book. And, and um, can you talk I, about I it? I did get a peek into. I get it. I get, did get a peek into her personality from what she wrote and how so, she wrote. So talk about it. T- tell us about her personality. Manipulative. What's that? Manipulative. Oh, of course. That's about it. That's it. I mean, Ace manipulator, always looking for the angle, always trying to work yeah. somebody for something. Probably don't need much more than right. that. Right. Yeah. And, and testing, it's a survival you know, tool. Well, will she do this? Will she say that? Um, kind of a buttering up. She sent me several homemade cards. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, here's hoping for a better year. Okay. Did I'll, she, I'll uh, tell you how I, how I manipulated uh, the... <laughs> No, real, real, real quick question. Did she ever read the book, to your knowledge? I don't know. It just came out, so. Well, I, yeah. yeah. We don't know. Uh, what I did I with uh, with Rhonda, because it was the same sort of situation, is I, uh, I wrote her and, and said, okay, here's, here's the deal. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to give you the opportunity to comment 
and give your view on absolutely everything. Anything anybody says uh, about you, about the crime, you get to, you know, be the star person to, you know, tell so, your tell your side of the story. I just need you to sign this. It says that you give me permission to uh, to quote from anything that you say, anything that you've written. She didn't stop to think that she had written a big long di- diatribes of insanity in her diary. <laughs> <laughs> and all these other things that now got, I had rights to to you use. Got, you got a hold of it. Yeah, I had a cops gave it to. Me. There you go. Really, that yeah. she that she kept. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what, was, what was the theme of it? Was it innocence? Was it uh, claiming abuse? Mm-hmm. Um, I was another personality when I did this. That's always a good one. I mean, what was her her reasoning? Or I was you? Ralph. <laughs> I was the mechanic. Ah. <laughs> what what happened to the mechanic? No one knows. No one knows. I mean, I again, he has five, six, seven names. Um, he sort of worked behind the scenes, if that makes sense, of of everything. He didn't really – he wasn't a key player, so to speak, except for he, you know, he introduced Leah to Ijaz, and that's kind of it. He probably just said, give me a, you know, just uh, give me a kickback on this one, you know. You know, take care of me on this. That was if you, you know, rip he your might have. Yeah. Yeah, Leah was living in a Memphis halfway house and working, and, you know, I'm, again, I'm sure he said, hey, listen, I know this guy who does anything for anybody, you know, it'll get you out of this halfway house. Yeah, you know, I've seen this same scenario play out so many times with the, the, the guy is the nicest guy on the planet, and... The woman is scamming him, and they're giving her a car, they give her a place to live, this, that, and the other thing. And the next thing you know, the guy is either ripped off or set up or something horrifying happens. It's enough to make you suspicious about being nice. Uh, and, of course, having gone through this myself so many times in my younger days, like up to last week, uh, <laughs> I have to continually ask myself, why am I doing this? Is it simply because I can and or is it because if I weren't here, if I got hit by a bus, who's the next sucker she goes goes to next? So, so what you're saying, Burrow? Yes, is, is that I'm is, an easy mark. You're an easy. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be an easy mark. Oh, then what? Have, what stopped that? Uh, realizing the, what was going on. Okay. The, well, that's the so naivete is, paradox. This was last week. Well, no, it's longer ago than that. I do have relapses every once in a while. Well, that's what I was thinking. Let me know when you do. Yeah. Why? Well, you need a new car, a place to stay. I want a motorcycle. It's that simple. A motorcycle? We know there's a dirt bike. A dirt bike. Oh, yeah. Available. The kid never got the dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, part of the reason Ijaz was so kind to everyone and was an easy mark is because in the Muslim religion, it states that you are to help your fellow man and better your community. Now, this is one of the reasons I wrote this book is because of the backlash after 9-11 against the Muslims, against Islam, against anything from the Middle East was all just evil, evil. Ijaz was not. And the majority of people from that religion, from the Middle East, are, are just, you know, it's like saying everybody in America is bad and crooked and sick so, because of Charles Manson. So explain, yeah. explain ISIS to me. I am not even going to go into a political... Okay, explain the KKK. Well, that, that's where it comes from, basically. This, this is not religious. You know, explain the KKK. Explain the uh, new Black Panther Party. Explain uh, all of these hate groups. Explain Westboro Baptist Church. You're, you're, you're asking me to explain that's that? That's a rhetorical question. No, I know that. That's a rhetorical question. I, I understand that. It's, it's the same nonsense. You know, that only seven... I mean, uh, how, about, how about that guy that blew himself up last week in... in yeah, Magic? there was a real piece of work, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, it now amazes me. You know, I, I looked up, because anyone can do this if they take the time, but usually it's only true crime journalists who bother to do this, and that is every year uh, internationally there's put out the documentation of all terrorism in the world. What countries have the highest degree of terrorism? Who's doing it? Uh, how many incidents? I mean, they break it down, and you have every kind of statistic so, so, and cross-reference so, so in the planet. summarize that for me. In Europe... The percentage of terrorist acts committed by so-called radical Muslims, 3%. 3%. Exactly. 3%. 
Exactly. You, I mean, you, we don't hear about even America on American soil in terms of domestic terrorism. Forty between thirty-five and forty-five percent of all violent acts of terrorism committed on American soil are committed by Puerto Rican separatists. Yeah, I knew that. You knew that one. Yeah. And then you have the uh, animal rights activists, far out wackos that blow up research facilities. And then you got the, the far left and the far right and all that stuff. But it's a cultural thing on, on what the news and everything focuses on and what makes for a good uh, story. Yeah, good for, for a lot of uh, attention. The news away from radical Islamic terrorists. What do they call them? Something else is said. away from those. But we know, don't get the coverage of them. the last ones to admit it is Islamic it's, Well, that's a stupid way of saying it. It's like saying the JDL represents Judaism, which it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's the stood narrative that I have heard before. Well, look at the, what the Jews do. Because actually, up until this, I think about a year and a half ago, uh, the JDL had committed more acts of terrorism on United States soil than any of these so-called Islamic terrorists. By 1% difference, 6% for so-called Muslim extremists, 7% for Jewish extremists. But if we were to rant about uh, the JDL, they'd say we were anti-Semitic. Yeah. I'm not an apologist. I'm dealing with what's real. Let's deal with so reality. What's the, what's the last thing the JDL did? Uh, I remember when they blew up the lady in Santa Monica. They made great speakers. <laughs> they did a great speech. Oh, JBL. Jeez, Matt. He's so into radio. <laughs> and Dr. Dre and Dr. Drew. We can't tell them apart either. You know, the, the guy that uh, from the JDL who tried to murder the uh, fellow here in Santa Monica and did wind up killing his secretary... He took off. He was also wanted for another bombing in uh, Chicago or Philadelphia or something. He went to Israel, changed his name, and got into the Israeli military. Made the mistake one night, however, after a few drinks, of bragging to one of his fellow military men about how he blew up. (laughs) And he got popped. Well, then there was a battle on whether or not he would be extradited to the United States. They didn't want him extradited to the United States because it would be bad press, bad publicity. <laughs> so so what did they do? They fought it for years. In fact, the guy who was fighting it was a Rabbi Jacob uh, over there who I happen to know personally. He was also a true crime writer. We had some big conversations about this. Finally, the U.S. did get him extradited uh, on the uh, other uh, murder charge and, uh, and his wife also. <coughs> and they're both in the slammer now here in the USA. As the slammer. The slammer. That's right. Has a good place for them. Yeah, they were no good nicks. You know, blowing people up is not an approved way of uh, (laughs) dealing with people. So so drifting off into into you, Judith, so tell me about the flea market thing. What what is that? I saw that on your website. What is this about? The flea market. Do you like flea markets? Flea, F-E-L-A. I do. I thought... What in the hell are we on now? Okay. I yes, said I was I, I, I told you I was changing course. I love flea markets and garage sales, and uh, I was an artist, so I'm like, okay, what could I do with this? What could we? And right now I'm learning how to make wind chimes out of use. I just make them like out of foam rubber. Things. Make foam rubber you, wind you chimes. get some string and stuff that makes noise. What? No, no, use foam rubber. Foam rubber wind chimes are perfect for people who love the way wind chimes look but can't stand the irritating sound. <laughs> I'm sending you a pair. Okay, so anyway, he I think we're wasting society he's got to, he's and we throw away he, stuff at a whim <laughs> and to use items for repurposing. I love that idea. Yeah. Well, let's so. uh, let's continue the thing. So there. Yeah, Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. Boy, is, you you want to get back on track here? No, I'm, we're going to continue no, the no theme chance. of Judith. Okay. Um, you ha- you've been doing uh, reporting and part of the criminology for a very long time. What happened in your life that shifted your focus into writing about true crime? Ah, um, I had a stroke, a migraine-related stroke, several years ago. And my my short-term memory kind of fuzzed out, and I had some issues with with after the stroke. And uh, I couldn't teach anymore. I, I, you know, couldn't work full-time anymore. And I uh, thought, okay, what is it I've always enjoyed doing? Well, at the same time, I'm writing you know, articles for different uh, different websites, different law enforcement websites, 
and it just kind of evolved. Well, see, that's making good use of your time. You're, you're a lot like that woman in prison who's paper hanging. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Gives a sense of purpose. And, you know, what's interesting is I could make a tattoo gun, and I could make a weapon out of paper. So, good. you know, there's not really that big a difference between all of us in yeah. life. You know, that's why the, the research shows that the security the guards at the prison are basically the same, same, yeah, uh, same mindset as the prisoners. And uh, you're here, you ready for this, Howard? I'm ready. What are you going to do? In my book, Man Overboard, <laughs> there is Man a guy. Overboard. Please tell us about that, bro. He gets out of prison, changes his name, and gets hired back at the prison as a guard. Officer. Yeah. And no one recognizes him. Oh, they recognize him. They, you look vaguely familiar. <laughs> Aren't you that guy number 5374? Oh, well, used you, to be. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you try on this orange shirt for a second? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robert Lee Yates, the Spokane serial killer, uh, in my book, Body Count, uh, there's a picture. Body? He used to be a guard at the penitentiary. Now, of course, he's in the penitentiary. Officer. They call him an officer. Hey, yeah. Officers work well, in the Earl, prison. Earl. Guards work at the bank. Oh, guards work at the bank. And uh, what do you call these people? They, they did have officers a name. Officers work officers. in prison. Okay, officers. So, um... There's uh, a picture of him as, a, as an officer, and the next to that's the picture of him as the prisoner, taken in the same place by the same camera. In between your, your plugging your own books, yes. uh, what's our guest's books? The I mean. guest book has she has more than one but the one that we're excited about today is called she is evil evil that's right madness and murder in memphis yeah that memphis that's a rough place a lot of crime i love memphis you love memphis what, what, what do you like about I memphis do. What, what, what do you like about it it's got a personality it's scrappy you never know what's going to go around the corner there's just a feeling there i've mean, never it's been a, to memphis. it's a very it's a very interesting city. Yeah, I, you know? I'm not going to disagree with you. I've been there, but but it's it's um, that's why I was asking. I didn't want to know what your feeling was because it is something different, it, it, especially at night. I mean, damn. Oh, listen. The last time I was in Memphis, I was going to this little all night barbecue place, and as I'm walking to my car, a um, transgender hooker is walking down the street toward me. Wig askew, stiletto heel, broken. Yelling, hey! Yeah, so how much was so she? Where else can you have that happen, you know? Well, Santa Monica. Besides yeah, Santa Monica. Burl's house. Yeah. Yeah, Burl's yeah, house. Yeah, I could, uh, I wanted to know if you got her name and number, just in case you ever go to Memphis. I did not. Oh, God, times are tough all over. Take it a jumbo clown room here in the... If you cannot wear your wig properly... That's right. have two stilettos... That's right. ...you need to just move on. Move on to the next corner, sister. That's right. You you got to get your act down, you know, because the competition is more stiff than the clients. I think you have to have pride in what you do. <laughs> that um pump. <clears throat> what are you working on now? What, what what's what's uh, what's new? What's... Um, right now I'm working on a on a local a local story. It was a twelve uh, year old girl who committed suicide, mm. and they're blaming it on, as they always do, bullying. And I'm doing a lot of reading and studying and, and talking to people about this bullicide business. And I'm having to wait. Here's a, I'm having to wait to interview her friends, who are all juveniles, of mm -hmm. course, and talk to them because the parents are not allowing it because they say it's too upsetting and you just need to forget it and move on oh, yeah. to these 11 and 12 year old kids, you know. So you have to wait till they're 18. This is in Kentucky, or where is this going on? In Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. In Tennessee, they can get married at 12, but they can't talk to the reporter. Exactly. <laughs> Howard's looking at me like, am I telling him the truth or not? <laughs> no, I know you, you, you're telling me the truth. You I'm can just, look it up. I, 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 I don't what even... What the hell? Don't need to look it up. It's, it's, it's insanity. <laughs> and let's just go with that. It's insanity. So um, am, I, am I catching that you don't think the bullying uh, is legitimate excuse? Bullicide? No, bullying. Bullying, right. yeah, death by bullying. Do you, uh, Mark is asking, I think, if, if you think that that actually causes people to commit suicide. <laughs> okay, here's a Dr. Phil impression. 
Well, you're going to have to buy the book. <laughs> she hasn't written the book yet. What, what you need to do is read my book, and then you can move on in your life and find happiness. Well, there you go. That was perfect, by the way. Yeah, that was even better than the chimpanzee impersonation. Please. I, I thought happiness was a was a, was a, a, a warm gun. gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no there we go. Hey, I got the Sergeant Pepper remix. Did you? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Oh, it's wonderful. Why Wasn't we, that why? movie good? Huh? What's that, Judith? Yeah, I hear. I hear the crickets. I said, "Wasn't that movie good?" Which one? And then there was silence. Sergeant Pepper's. Oh, the one with uh, Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Yeah, it was almost as good as Can't Stop the Music. <laughs> what, what a roller disco with... Uh, <laughs> what's her name? With the girl from The Exorcist? Yeah, yeah. Your mother did socks and hell. <laughs> like, she could, she could, you know, find Jimmy Hoffa and cure the common cold, but we'd always say, the girl from Exorcist. Yeah, it doesn't matter. For the rest of her life, that's what she's... Mm-hmm. The one thing. This show, by the way, Judith, solved... The Jimmy Hoffa mystery. I don't know if you know that. In several episodes. We, we know where he is. Bumper of an Edsel. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you, when I was in Las Vegas at the Aladdin Hotel having lunch, I made the mistake of saying out loud, I know where they'll find Jimmy Hoffa. He's under the cornerstone of the Aladdin Theater for the Performing Arts. The cornerstone was late the same weekend that he disappeared. It makes perfect sense, being as the teamster money. The guy sitting across me, sweat starts pouring off of him. And I suddenly realize the room is dead silent. That was Jimmy Hoffa the next And, year. yeah, and uh, he says, laugh. Laugh like you're making a joke. You don't know what you're saying. But ha, 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 he's probably under uh, home plate Dodger Stadium. Yeah, I, never, I never heard that story. Yeah, true story. Oh, man. Dr. Burl, once again, gets yeah. to the meat of the matter. <laughs> so what, what gave you the idea to uh, donate some of the profits of your books to charity? Yeah, that's a strange idea. Why did you do that, Judith? And we have, a, we have three charities right here in this room. <laughs> <laughs> what moved I you? I saw that. I saw that on... Um... Sally, because I believe that out of crime, something positive has to happen, and the donation, the partial donation, is going to be made in each eyes Ahmad's name. That's wonderful of you. I'm making donations to my bank account with my royalty check from Kensington, which should be arriving any day now. I already got mine for What's a while. What's the name of the book? Your book is called She is Evil. <laughs> I have too many books to mention. <laughs> Ah, she is evil Thank by Judith A. Yates. Buy it, read it, believe it. Make wonderful holiday gifts. Perfect summer reading. Great to have you on the show, Judith. When you get the next book oh, out, we'll you have you back. It. She's a sweetheart. She is very, very, very talented. Nice. Very and, talented. And, and let's please somebody buy one book. <laughs> you, you can buy one. I'm going to buy one. Absolutely. Hey, Burl. What? What's what? next? Magic Man Allen and the Demons of Decadence live in the Lighten Up Lounge on OutlawRadioLive.com. If you're listening to it, you know what you're doing.